0: SHOES AND STOCKINGS, A COLLECTION OF SHORT STORIES BY LOUISA MAY ALCOTT. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY CAROLYN FRANCIS. MY RED CAP, PART Three, BY LOUISA MAY ALCOTT. Some years later, as I looked out of my window one dull November day, the only cheerful thing I saw was the red cap of a messenger who was examining the slate that hung on a wall opposite my hotel. A tall man with grey hair and beard, one arm, and a blue army coat. I always salute, figuratively at least, when I see that familiar blue, especially if one sleeve of the coat is empty. So I watched the messenger with interest as he trudged away on some new errand, wishing he had a better day and a thicker pair of boots. He was an unusually large, well-made man, and reminded me of a fine building going to ruin before its time. For the broad shoulders were bent, there was a stiffness about the long legs suggestive of wounds or rheumatism and the curly hair looked as if snow had fallen on it too soon. Sitting at work in my window, I fell into the way of watching my red cap, as I called him, with more interest than I did the fat doves on the roof opposite, or the pert sparrows hopping in the mud below. I liked the steady way in which he plodded on through fair weather or foul, as if intent on doing well the one small service he had found to do. I liked his cheerful whistle as he stood waiting for a job, under the porch of the public building where his slate hung, watching the luxurious carriages roll by, and the well-to-do gentlemen who daily passed him to their comfortable homes, with a steady, patient sort of face, as if wondering at the inequalities of fortune, yet neither melancholy nor morose over the small share of prosperity which had fallen to his lot. I often planned to give him a job, that I might see him nearer, but I had few errands, and little Bob, the hall-boy, depended on doing those, so the winter was nearly over before I found out that my red cap was an old friend. A parcel came for me one day, And bidding the man wait for an answer, I sat down to write it, while the messenger stood just inside the door like a sentinel on duty. When I looked up to give my note and directions, I found the man staring at me with a beaming yet bashful face, as he nodded, saying heartily, I mistrusted it was you, ma'am. Soon's I see the name on the bundle, and I guess I ain't wrong." It's a number of years since we met, and you don't remember Joe Collins as well as he does you, I reckon. Why, how you have changed! I've been seeing you every day all winter, and never knew you, I said, shaking hands with my old patient, and very glad to see him. Nigh on twenty years makes considerable of a change in folks, specially if they have a pretty hard row to hoe. SIT DOWN AND WARM YOURSELF WHILE YOU TELL ME ALL ABOUT IT. THERE IS NO HURRY FOR THIS ANSWER, AND I'LL PAY FOR YOUR TIME. JOE LAUGHED AS IF THAT WAS A GOOD JOKE, AND SAT DOWN AS IF THE FIRE WAS QUITE AS WELCOME AS THE FRIEND. HOW ARE THEY ALL AT HOME? I ASKED, AS HE SAT TURNING HIS CAP ROUND, NOT QUITE KNOWING WHERE TO BEGIN. I HAVEN'T GOT ANY HOME NOR ANY FOLKS NEITHER, AND THE MELANCHOLY WORDS BANISHED THE BRIGHTNESS FROM HIS ROUGH FACE LIKE A CLOUD. MOTHER DIED SOON AFTER I GOT BACK, SUDDEN, BUT SHE WAS READY, AND I WAS THERE, SO SHE WAS HAPPY. JIM LIVED A NUMBER OF YEARS, AND WAS A SIGHT OF CARE, POOR feller, BUT WE MANAGED TO RUB ALONG, THOUGH WE HAD TO SELL THE FARM. "'for I couldn't do much with one arm, "'and doctor's bills right along Stiddy "'take a heap of money. "'He was as comfortable as he could be, "'and when he was gone it wasn't no great matter, "'for there was only me, "'and I don't mind roughing it. "'But Lucindy, where was she?' "'I asked very naturally. "'Oh, she married another man long ago.' couldn't expect her to take me and my misfortunes. She's doing well, I hear, and that's a comfort anyway. There was a look on Joe's face, a tone in Joe's voice as he spoke, that plainly showed how much he had needed comfort when left to bear his misfortunes all alone. But he made no complaint, uttered no reproach, and loyally excused Lucindy's desertion, with a simple sort of dignity that made it impossible to express pity or condemnation. "'How came you here, Joe?' I asked, making a sudden leap from past to present. "'I had to scratch for a livin' and can't do much, so after tryin' a number of things I found this. My old wounds pester me a good deal, and rheumatism is bad winters,' BUT WHILE MY LEGS HOLD OUT, I CAN GET ON. A MAN CAN'T SET DOWN AND STARVE, SO I KEEP waggin' AS LONG AS I CAN. WHEN I CAN'T DO NO MORE, I SPOSE THERE'S almshouse AND HOSPITAL READY FOR ME. THAT IS A DISMAL PROSPECT, JOE. THERE OUGHT TO BE A COMFORTABLE PLACE FOR SUCH AS YOU TO SPEND YOUR LAST DAYS IN. I AM SURE YOU HAVE EARNED IT, "'Well, it does seem rather hard on us when we've given all we had and gave it free and hearty, to be left to knock about in our old age. But there's so many poor folks to be took care of. We don't get much of a chance, for we ain't the begging sort,' said Joe, with a wistful look at the wintry world outside, as if it would be better to lie quiet under the snow." than to drag out his last painful years, friendless and forgotten, in some refuge of the poor. "'Some kind people have been talking of a home for soldiers, and I hope the plan will be carried out. It will take time, but if it comes to pass, you shall be one of the first men to enter that home, Joe, if I can get you there.' "'That sounds mighty cheerin' and comfortable.' "'Thank you, ma'am. Idleness is dreadful trying to me, and I'd rather wear out than rust out. "'So I guess I can weather it a spell longer. But it will be pleasant to look forward to a snug harbour by me by. I feel a sight better just hear and tell about it.' He certainly looks so. Faint as the hope was, FOR THE MELANCHOLY EYES BRIGHTENED AS IF THEY ALREADY SAW A HAPPIER REFUGE IN THE FUTURE THAN almshouse, HOSPITAL, OR GRAVE, AND WHEN HE TRUDGED AWAY UPON MY ERRAND, HE WENT AS BRISKLY AS IF EVERY STEP TOOK HIM NEARER TO THE PROMISED HOME. AFTER THAT DAY IT WAS ALL UP WITH BOB, FOR I TOLD MY NEIGHBORS JOE'S STORY, and we kept him trotting busily, adding little gifts and taking the sort of interest in him that comforted the lonely fellow, and made him feel that he had not outlived his usefulness. I never looked out when he was at his post that he did not smile back at me. I never passed him in the street that the red cap was not touched with a military flourish. And, when any of us beckoned to him, No twinge of rheumatism was too sharp to keep him from hurrying to do our errands, as if he had Mercury's winged feet. Now and then he came in for a chat, and always asked how the soldier's home was prospering, expressing his opinion that Boston was the charitablest city under the sun, and he was sure he and his mates would be took care of somehow. When we parted in the spring— I told him things looked hopeful, bade him be ready for a good long rest as soon as the hospitable doors were open, and left him nodding cheerfully. End of part three.